you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. What an opportunity and what an honor it is to come across your broadcast and your airwaves to have you tune us in, to take some time out of your day to hear about the life of Christ, to hear about how the life of Christ can take care of those of us who've been through the junk of life, who've seen the terrible things, who've lived the terrible things. And uh, we're just honored that we can do this with you. This is something, you know, we we put aside or a night or two or a morning or two a week to be able to do this. We find Kevin somewhere in the world, and uh, today we find him in Kernersville, North Carolina. Tell us a little bit about Kernersville, Kevin. Well, Kernersville is pretty, uh, pretty cool town. Um, it's, it's a lot bigger than I thought. There's an Amazon hub. I found out cause it said something that I ordered last night brought here today. And, um, and I was able to follow it on the map across town on the app. Um, but yeah, Kernersville, uh, great, great place has a planet fitness and, um, you know, I share a little bit of humor, Doug, talking about, we were talking about beards earlier, um, beer, you know, I go to planet fitness to try to, you know, keep the weight and the, uh, the muscles and whatnot strengthen where they need to be. But, um, uh, I do have a beard and I've had it for years with the exception of a few times where I didn't, I had it when I was born. No, I didn't, <laughs> but I, I, but anyway, someone says, why do you wear a beard, brother Rob? And I, the answer I give them is, well, brother, a beard covers a multitude of chins. There it is. Praise God. And I, I want you to know this is one time, and I'm not a beard guy. Debbie doesn't like beards, but I have nothing against beards. Our Lord and Savior had one. I currently am five days into growth right now. So I, I have about three-eighths of an inch of uh, this brush coming out of my face. I think I'll make it a couple weeks and probably take a picture and show you guys. I take a picture about once a year, usually at Christmas time. And, uh, when I have a couple weeks back in the same duty station, back around my home, I'll grow one. So I'm covering a multitude of chins right now myself. Actually, I'm, I'm doing pretty well weight wise. And so is Kevin, but we're just honored to look at this life of Christ and, and, and get from this, what God has for us. And so many of us, you know, we wake up in the day and, and, People with PTSD, people who've been through the junk, you know, we're met with depression. We're met with what can go wrong today, and, and we should meet with God. First thing we should do is roll out of bed and thank God everything for everything he's done for us. And folks, we're just a second away from our heart stop, and we're just, we don't know what's going on. Let's invite God to be part of our day when we wake up in the morning. Show a gratitude. Don't be somebody who has ingratitude. Don't be known for that. Have gratitude. And uh, when you wake up in the morning, call out to Christ. And as we study this, we can see a lot of reasons why. And uh, we're in the book of John. We're in chapter 2, starting in verse 18 today. Then answered the Jews and saith unto him, What signs showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise that up. I want you to know that uh, we're thinking... You know, these guys are thinking he wants us to take our temple down, but he's talking about him, the temple, uh, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior. Then said the Jews, 40 and six years was this temple in building, and will thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. 
When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this unto them, and they believed on the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. I love it when I read it on my computer. I don't have to turn pages. But you know, the Jews automatically, you know, when something goes on, when the temple's being torn up, and they want to, what's this all about? What's going on? Prove prove who you are. Uh, Prove all these things. Don't we live in a world today? Prove it. You know, even as a preacher, prove it. And, uh, you know, my proof is found in nothing less than Jesus in his righteousness. And I don't know the song, Kevin, but something like that. If you want to find, and you're hearing that thunder here in, uh, uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, and I want you to know if a strike of lightning comes through and hits me right in the head, I hope I'm ready. I know I'm ready. And don't worry about me. And Kevin will go ahead and finish up the broadcast. What are you thinking, brother? Well, I'm thinking... Um yeah, by the way, I'm, if lightning comes my way too, uh, we had a bad thunderstorm as well. And I was out working, listening to the boomers. And I, I thank God if, uh, if it strikes my propane tank, if my motor home and it blows up, I goes up. Uh, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, when Jesus had, had, uh, made a scourge of cords and drove out the money changers, overturned the tables and stuff. And then the next thing you know, that, um, the Jews that that were there are saying, okay, give us a sign. You know, what are you doing? Prove, prove your authority here. And um, his answer was destroy this temple. And in three days I will raise it up. And it's kind of like a challenge put forth to them. They didn't understand it at all, but they were going to destroy that temple. They were going to uh, uh, ascent to his death. They were going to send him off to, pilot and the Herod and the pilot again, and then, uh, it, get his execution, uh, warrant and then have him destroyed. And in three days he was going to raise it up again. And, uh, it's really a great Testament to his innocence, to his foreknowledge, and also to his uh, confidence, because he's like, if you take it down, I'm going to put it back up. And I, I just love that. I, I love the attitude. You know, he was uh, three years away from a terrible death, from a horrible, traumatic, a physically traumatizing, a shock, a shockingly uh, disgusting thing that that would just take away everything besides the spiritual and emotional heartache. And he's looking at he's he's looking that in the face and saying, you know what? If that, if that takes place, I'm just going to raise it up. And, you know, as Jesus was sent, we have the same, uh, we have the same orders issued to us, Doug. We have the, uh, we have the marching orders as the father sent me. So have I sent you, it's good to, to say, you know what? Life's going to be hard, but you know what? You take me down, I'm going to rise up again. And uh, I think it's also interesting when you look at this verse, the construction of it is, I will raise it up again. I remember talking to Jehovah's Witness. I was walking out in, uh, when, when there were still a Sears at the Colonial Park Mall in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I was walking out from the store to my car and I gave a track to a guy and he said, oh man, I'm, I'm a witness too. And I'm a Jehovah's witness. I said, oh really? I said, well, I'm, I'm a witness for Jehovah, but I believe that Jehovah is Jesus and Je- Jesus is the son of God, Jehovah. And he's like, well, how do you, how can you say that when Jesus said that the father will raise me up? 
And I just re- immediately remembered the verse, like verse 22, that I remembered the scripture, the word that Jesus has said, the Holy Spirit reminded me that not only did Jesus say, yes, my father will raise it up again, but he also said, I'm going to raise it up. And I told the JW that I said, I said, well, yes, it's true. He, he did say his father would raise it up, but he said, I will raise it up. So guess what? He is God and the father's God equally. And he didn't have an answer for that. But, you know, the confidence is that I got this. And you know what? When I don't have it and I commit myself to, to my father, my father's got it. I'm in him. He's in me. Jesus is in the father and the father's in him. He's got us. And we've we got this thing in hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And, and, and you remind me that as we come across these cults and there's so many of them today. And so remembering my definition of a cult would be that anything that tries to replace Christ with some man-made thing, we see it all over the place. And, uh, and so a cult, so I believe Jehovah's witnesses are a cult, just speaking specifically. And if we bring up others, we'll glad, we'll gladly point out a cult's a cult, but we remember back in the beginning, remember what the Bible said there when we started the life of Christ in the book of John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And Kevin used those wonderful words, co-eternal. And we talked about how God is always been there. He's God. There's no other God. So when you deal with these people in the cult, you say, cult, you say, wait a minute, open up your Bible. And their Bible has a completely different rewritten words there. They have taken out those words because as a Jehovah's witness, you can work yourself up through works. It's a works thing. Again, we're saved by faith through grace that's given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have faith in him and his completed work at the cross and through grace, he saves us. And, yeah. but they're not, they got this works thing. They're out there trying to knock as many doors that they can. And I'm sure you guys have some funny Jehovah's witnesses stories. I told my story about, and never do this. I wasn't saved at the time answering the door naked with the two Jehovah's Witness women. But I did have a bow tie on. It freaked them out. They ran away. But one one stood around for a few minutes. But anyway, anyway, yeah, I'm sorry about that, friends. But I, I want you to know that I, I've repented of that. But here we are with God. And who makes God's authority? Can I tell you something, friends? It's not us. It's God. Uh, does the word of God say that God is God? It does. Does it prove it? It does. Those are the two most important things about our life. And these are the two most important things we've got to look at as we go through. So we have got to be careful. We may not be Jehovah's Witnesses, but we still have a responsibility to recognize Christ as our Lord and Savior. Hey, we'll be right back. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. You know, there, there's something great that takes place. You know, for all uh, time prior to Christ coming on the scene, prior to the Lord sending down uh, God as 100% man, 100% God, uh, prior to his ministry, all during that time when you had to worship, when you had to go somewhere, you had to go to the temple. 
you had to find that high priest, that intercessor. You had to do the things that they did in the temple. Uh, it was all about the temple. And all of a sudden, God comes on the scene, and he changes things up. He suggests that he's the temple now, that you don't have a central place to worship anymore, that uh, me right here in my dining room and, and, and Brother Kevin right there in his living room on his coach uh, can worship the same wonderful God in the same way. He changed the rules, Kevin. He said, listen, I'm God. Uh, pray in my name. Come to me in my name. We don't have to be in the temple. Now, it's important we go to church, but you no longer need an intercessor. We have one. His name's Christ. We no longer have to have somebody pray for us and do those things. It's already there. Sitting at the right hand of the Father is our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So, so Kevin, he changes the rules. When he shows up there, he said, I'm God. It changes now. Yeah. Yeah, they they had taken ownership of the house of God rather than managership. And there's a difference, you know, um, there was a, I used to pastor a guy who was from Palestine, Texas, and we were planning a church outside of Fort hood there in Texas. And he came from Palestine and came to uh, help us start the church. He's now a missionary in Australia, doing a great job over there. But this guy, um, told the story that I believe it was in Palestine, and I might be wrong, don't quote me on this, that a Walmart back in the days of when Sam Walton was living, Sam Walton, of course, was the, you could say the owner, CEO, owner, all that kind of thing. And um, there was a store that had really just kind of let things go, and they were doing it their own way. And from the manager on down, terrible management, terrible uh, associates, you know, just, just nobody cared about their job and, uh, they acted like it was up for grabs. They could do it their way. And, um, and so somewhere along the line, Mr. Sam Walton himself had heard about, you know, this thing. And he liked to visit other stores sometimes that, uh, you know, of his stores. And he came to that store, I believe it was in Palestine. He came to the store, he walked inside, he, he was dressed totally incognito, I'm not sure, how he did that, but he was, um, the people didn't recognize him. And uh, long story short, he went in and said, Oh yeah, can I, uh, I'm here to look for this. And back in that day, folks, Walmart was known. You could, if you could go back 20 years, it still was that way. They would, they really special. And, uh, and there are some Walmart associates that still do this, by the way, if you ask, where is this, they walk you to it. Yeah. So, he went in there and he said, I'm looking for this. And they're like, ah, I'm not sure we got it. It would be back here uh, if they do. And he went back and he asked another associate. And he just didn't know what no one cared. And he just saw things all in disarray and disorder. And uh, he went to the front of the store. He pulled out his master key. He locked the door. <laughs> he put a closed sign up and he fired everyone on the spot from the manager <laughs> down. And what did gone wrong with that store is what happens in some churches and and really in in whatever situation where the person that should be the manager in other words the steward is instead acting like it's his it's the owner and i'm sad to say i've i've gotten too big for my britches sometimes years ago in particular when i had a a thing that I wanted to quote own the responsibility. And there's a difference between owning your responsibility as stewardship and owning it as in ownership. And, um, and so I messed up on that, but you know, when the Lord, um, 
gets a hold of your heart. He says, you need to remember that uh, when I come in, I'm coming in as the owner and I am going to, if, if, if it's done right, you'll be glad to see me. But if you feel like you own it, you are going to feel threatened, uh, which is what exactly happens in a narcissistic situation. But thank God that he, uh, he does still show up. And if we're praying, if we're the ones that abused and oppressed, we can be like the, uh, the widow there in the book of Deuteronomy. I think it's in Deuteronomy where it says the widow that's oppressed can cry out to God and God will show up. Jesus will show up and basically with, with fiery wrath, deal with that person that was taking, uh, that acted like he, that people were his uh, property and not God's property. Yeah, that's, that's so true. We forget sometimes we, uh, I remember years ago I was stationed at Fort Myer, Virginia, and Debbie was doing some kind of nursing class out in uh, Fort Sam Houston. So I decided to live as what we call a geographical bachelor, where I would live in the barracks as long as it was an open room, and they'd leave me alone. They they didn't kick me out for six months anyway, because I was picking on the privates too much. But anyway, hooked right to Fort Myer is the Marine Barracks, Washington, D.C., which is at, actually in Arlington, hooked to Fort Myer, and you could walk through a little gate and go to the Marine Corps exchange uh, and go to the post exchange, you know, walk a quarter mile down through this fence and go to the Marine Corps exchange. I remember I was at the Marine Corps exchange and a few of us were sitting at a table and uh, I was eating some pizza or something, which is big, you know, restaurants that soldiers and Marines eat pretty big at in the PXs. And and uh, I remember this guy sat down with us and he started asking us questions. Uh, you know, how do you like it here? It's a good story. You know, uh, what have you learned as a Marine? I had to stop my excuse me, sir. I said, we're all soldiers at this table. We walked over from Fort Myer. But I said, the place is very nice and stuff. And while I was sitting there, the guy next to me, the Sergeant Major, at that time I was an E7, was hitting me in the leg. And finally, I looked at him and said, what, Sergeant Major? He said, that's General Gray, the Commandant of the Marine Corps. So he was going around with his civilian clothes on, asking, and he was, I don't think, I don't know if he was you know, perpetrating a fraud or trying to hide out. I think most people in Marine Corps know who he is. Like I knew who the chief of staff of the army was. Uh, but here's a guy in civilian clothes asking some questions, walking around. You, you never know who you're going to come across. Well, God shows up at this temple and says, hey, this temple's not about you. And that happens sometimes, you know, uh, the deacons and people at our church will say, Pastor, this has never been about you. You're the under shepherd. We have a true shepherd in heaven. And, uh, you know, sometimes get a little bit, sometimes we get a little bit too big for our britches. I remember years ago, we had planted a church up in New York and we had this big step ladder. It was, uh, it was up and I was trying to get it moved by the pulpit there. And the guy got up, Larry, to do the music and make a few announcements, the song leader. And he looked at the ladder there and he just kind of gave it, I didn't have time to move it. I had just fixed the light bulb we were meeting and, you know, nobody else would help you out unless you give them directions to or whatever. And I'll never forget Larry without missing a beat. Uh, says we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna sing the song, send the light. And I want you to know this ladder's here because the pastor's trying to reach new heights with his sermon tonight. And uh, so, <laughs> it's not about us reaching new heights, but there is an importance that we find here, especially those of us who've been through the junk in life. There, there's something that's real important, I think, and that you know the actions in the temple speak to. We need to have spiritual renewal in our lives, in our churches, corporately, individually, 
So folks, I, I know so many of us have been through the junk of life. So many of us stare down a diagnosis of PTSD or depression or a uh, big dumb dude or like me or whatever the case may be. And one of the biggest answers, if not the, the biggest answer, the answer is God. And the biggest answer of God is this spiritual renewal. And it's got to be, it's got to be ongoing or we're going to do stupid stuff in the temple. It's got to be ongoing, or we're going to do stupid stuff in our homes. It's got to be ongoing, or we're going to do stupid stuff in our marriages and our friendships and our relationships. So spiritual renewal is so important. So remember, as we went through this, we looked at the authority of God, uh, the symbolic nature, you know, him fulfilling prophecy and all that. But remember, as we, as we close off today, remember the spiritual renewal in your life. Uh, there needs to be a cleansing and renewal where we go to God. He alone can do that. He alone can do that. We surely hope you guys have a great day. Hey, with that smile that only God can give you today, we'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.